Greg. Yes. People are wondering why Justine hasn't come on. This is our pre-show. And uh, Justine is uh, is going to be on in a few minutes, if not sooner. But uh, you and I take this time to make sure that our volume works, our, our sound is good, that uh, our hair is, is coiffed uh, neatly. And it also gives you time to research <laughs> yeah that was that was a that was a good one nah, that, that was, was funny well welcome to the pre-show welcome to the pre-show do you know what tomorrow is tomorrow is the 10th of march it is the 10th of march yeah and why is that a big day is that the day the music died i don't think so is it it's the day something stopped. Concerts? Did concerts stop? Tomorrow will be our last in-person recording ah. of Welcome to the Podcast. One year ago. Welcome. So, Greg, Greg, the show is called Welcome to the Music. What did I say? Welcome to the Podcast. I <laughs> think, <laughs> uh, I, 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 yeah. Welcome music podcast, whatever, whatever our social handle is. Whatever now. it's called, whatever. <laughs> whatever it's called. Anyway, I'm obviously tired. So yeah, it's um, one year, one year ago tomorrow, we were with Chris Burkett. Yes, the infamous Chris. And that was the last time that we all got together in person to record a podcast. So much has changed. Wow, a year of this. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah, it's really pretty crazy cool. to think of, of, you know, the people we've talked to over that year, how things have changed, how we had to evolve. We started with Skype and then went to Zoom. Yeah. Did we do Google Hangouts or whatever? Did we try that at all? Well, you're an Android guy, so I'm sure we tried it at one point. <laughs> And it was shit, so we stopped. We stopped, yeah. Even 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 Skype remember. was a challenge. Skype was a challenge. It was a challenge to get people on because you know not a lot of people were were utilizing Skype. Yeah. Well, people used to utilize Skype, and then they stopped and they dropped it. And then when we told them to go to Skype, they're like, "Oh, where's Skype? Oh, I don't have Skype on my computer anymore." <laughs> yeah. What was my password? I remember exactly. Biff had such an issue trying to log in because she couldn't remember. I can't remember if it was her username or her password or That's whatever. Right. That yeah. is right. A, a lot has. has changed. Um, I think the I think this upcoming weekend was also the anniversary of um of the Junos being canceled. Mm. Right? That would and make sense because the Junos are always around my birthday. Yeah. And speaking of Junos, um, Kevin Como. Juno, Kevin. What? No, oh, good. Dad joke. Go ahead. Kevin Como, yep. lead guitarist, keyboardist, uh, musician extraordinaire with Crownlands, was a guest of ours. Yes. And they've been nominated yes. for two Junos. Too. Break, I think Breakthrough Artist mm -hmm. of the Year, as well as Rock Album of the Year. 
Well, congratulations to all of the nominees, whether it's for a Grammy, whether it's for a Juno, or whether or not uh, you are continuing to um, just survive. You know, because I think there's too much, you know, it, we're doing well, and it's good to be doing well. Uh, but it's also be good just to be hanging in because there's a lot of people that aren't hanging in. So yep. I, want, I want to give kudos to, to everybody. I wanted to ask you, Greg, yes. in your in your day, one of your day jobs, because uh, you're a man who wears many hats, you deal with cryptocurrencies. I do. I don't understand it, but I do. <laughs> and uh, a band that you and I uh, have listened to I don't know if you've ever been to a Kings of Leon show. Have you been to a Kings of Leon show? You would not find me at a Kings of Leon show. You would not be. But you've heard their music. <laughs> yes, I've heard their music. All right. Good. Just the way you said it was like, don't ever catch me. Uh, they've done something really interesting, and there's a lot of musicians that have um, that are doing interesting things in cryptocurrency, specifically... Uh, this NFT, non, I think it's called fungible uh, token, an NFT. Uh, so you being the cryptocurrency expert among, <laughs> the two, among the two of us, as far as you understand, what are the kings of Leon doing and what does this mean for music? So thankfully, and coincidentally, this morning, I was listening to Alan Cross on the Humble and Fred show. Ah, yes. On Humble and Fred radio. And they were talking about this because much like you and I, they're older dudes. In fact, they're older than us. Yes, they are. All of them. And Alan was trying to explain what an NFT. NFT? NFT. Yes, NFT. Yeah. NFT was. And... Essentially, it's, I guess for Kings of Leon, it's well, essentially what it is, is you buy the digital representation or you buy the original of something digital. So you don't get anything. Like you don't, you don't hold anything. You hold the digital ones and zeros. You have a digital, you, you have a digital token. Now, for you and I, it's nothing but for uh, people younger than us. Um, digital assets are, are a thing, right? So a, a lot of money is, is spent by uh, millennials, Gen Xers on, on acquiring digital assets, whether that's for games or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this case... And I case, guess it can be copied, but you never, whoever copies it, it's never like you it could be the artwork. Yeah, I see. I shouldn't have asked you this question. I thought you'd be up to speed, Greg. No, I have no <laughs> idea. I am. I, I honestly, God, I'm, I'm just regurgitating what I sort of understood. Alan Cross explained to Humble and Fred, who had no idea. In fact, one of the things that was interesting about the Kings of Leon that I will say is that there was, I guess, gold tickets, and people were selling or buying them for or gold tokens. Yep, whatever you want to call it, and people were buying them for like. Like ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollars, tens and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, it's you get the digital asset, whatever that is, uh -huh. and you also get, for example, front row tickets to a 
concert or something like that. Yeah, the holder of these tokens yep. uh, is, uh, is eligible, not eligible, but they get uh, four front row tickets to every tour that the Kings of Leon do. Uh, they, I think this one, they get uh, the album, like vinyl copy, you get a digital copy, you get uh, other uh, audiovisual components, so whether that's videos or um, uh, other digital arts, you get, you get access to that. You are able to resell it. And when you resell it, a portion of that goes to the band, a portion of it goes Theoretically, you can program it this way. Yeah. That a yeah. portion of it will go back, goes, goes to the band, a portion of it goes to a charity if they want to. Yeah. Uh, and then a portion of it goes back to the person that has sold, sold it. it. Right. And there's I, a limited I, I, number of tokens. Sorry, there's a limited number of yeah. these tokens. So it's not yeah. sold to whoever wants it all the time. Yeah, I, I understood it that it was not to every show, that it was to one show. So Fred's comment was, it one is disposable. Show, every tour. So if they end up doing only one tour, if they end up only doing one tour and breaking up, then that's you, you've you sort of bought one tour. But if they end up doing five more tours, you've got four front row. And not only that, but you get a first class experience. So you get limoed to the concert. You get uh, a private meet and greet at the concert. Yeah. Um, you get a concierge at the concert. And you get one item of everything that's being sold in the, um, like, so one t-shirt, one hoodie, like everything that they sell uh, of their merch, you get one item each uh, there as well. So the, now this is specific to Kings of Leon, but. Um, Thankfully that's on the blockchain. Cause could you try to imagine managing that without the blockchain? Whew. Yeah, we don't have enough time now to explain what the heck a blockchain is, but that's the pre-show, Greg. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Greg, remember yeah. that episode we did with... Um, with Vin Rock from Naughty by Nature, so this is how this is how things change because you know you're you're in sunlight, and the sun is going down. I remember last summer we spoke with uh, with Vin Rock, and it was really sunny outside, um, and and he was in New York, and by the time the the recording ended, he had to change where he was sitting so he could and turn on the light. Because over time, you could see like bright light, and then all of a sudden, it started to get darker and darker because he was sitting near a window. Um, yeah, so a, a lot of not that That's you calm. care, not that you care, Justine, about that story. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, where are you going? Like, should I be, be concerned about my lighting? <laughs> there's, got, there's got to be something more to this. He's going somewhere with this. I'm sure of it. And then in my head, I'm going. I'm sure he's going somewhere. Oh. No, 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 I go nowhere. Just like life. We've, I mean, I do. We've gone nowhere. I do have a little lamp on as well, but eventually the sun will go down within the hour. But, you know. That is fine. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes they just say things. And, and It's his way of asking, please make sure you have a lamp on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, I'm Justine Giles. I'm a singer-songwriter originally from Sudbury, Ontario, and I'm currently in Calgary, Alberta, and this is Welcome to the Music. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Justine, how's your back? Well, it's better than it was last week, but that means that you have definitely seen my social media complaints about my back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I try to keep it positive, but you know, when you're in constant pain, it's hard, right? It's hard to be in a positive state of mind when your body is not cooperating. So I feel for anyone that has like legitimate uh, health problems on a regular basis because it is, it is tough. Was this like, what, what happened to you? <laughs> the funny thing is I, I literally just woke up one day and couldn't really move properly. Like I just pulled my back from doing nothing from sleeping, <laughs> um, from sleeping. And I just feel like a granny. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then I kept uh, just twisting it weird throughout the day and lifting heavy things I shouldn't be lifting and then it would get worse. And so, yeah, I'm not quite sure why that happened i've had back issues in the past mm -hmm. but i haven't in years so i don't really know what happened i just kind of woke up one day and it was sore so cream and i would call that aging i know right i'm just like i'm just, just getting old I mean, we're, we're a lot older <laughs> than you so i mean we're you know but yeah pretty much yeah i mean i'm an old soul so i've always felt there old so to be there fair like i growing up like i talked to my teachers on recess instead of my classmates because i just thought it was better conversation mm -hmm. So maybe now my body is just catching up and just trying to make me feel old. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> I, don't I don't know, but it lasted over a week. Like it, it just started to um, like let up today, which is over a week. So. Well, good, good. Hopefully by the time this goes live, you'll be perfect. Fully recovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Nice. So now did you move? to Calgary over the past year, or did you relocate there prior to all of this madness? Yeah, it was right before, a couple months before the pandemic. So it was late 2019. And I was very lucky because I, I came out here for a visit first before I moved. Okay. I would say spring of 2019 mm -hmm. and met up with some of my artist friends that I originally met in Toronto. And uh, I figured it would be a good place to relocate and work on some new music. And at least I would have a base of artists, friends here. Mm -hmm. So I came out to visit and then I went back to Ontario, basically packed my stuff and, and got ready to move um, in the fall of 2019. And when I got here, I just hit the ground running and started doing shows here and networking and going out to my friends' performances and just networking, networking, networking. Um, because, you know, it's important to do that in a new city, especially on the live scene. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, maybe four or five months later, COVID hit. So I was really glad that I did the work, the groundwork that I did when I first moved here. Just to feel more at home here, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's been tough because I signed with like a, a local booking agency and started to get some really good gigs and then everything just kind of shut down. So it's been tough to adjust in a new 
province and in a new city and not really have a ton of like connections with venues and that kind of thing. Uh, it's hard to do that in this time, right? Because sure. they're not really open. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting moving forward. I noticed on, uh, I think it was on Twitter, you got a shout out from one of our former guests, Sass Jordan, when you moved out that way. How do you know <laughs> Sass? I just, I like, I was, yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. Cause I don't really know Sass, but oh. I, she does pop up every once in a while. Like, I think I had one of my singles on CBC or something and she just caught wind of it and she was really supportive. And I was like, you're awesome. Like she's just she one awesome. of those rad, rad Canadian talents. That's really supportive of like up and coming artists. And I honestly don't even know how we connected. It might've been on Twitter or Instagram, but there's mm. been a couple of times when she's kind of shouted out. So grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah she's, awesome. she's, she's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah. She's one of our, like one of our favorite, like I remember, I was up on the man. We I was up on the mantle, and at the time, and we were joking around. And and my wife at the after we finished, because I, I was recording in the the living room of the cottage, and she said, "I don't think I've ever heard you laugh that much during a podcast recording." So no no pressure to you, <laughs> That's but awesome. <laughs> yeah, pressure's on, man. The lighting, the laughter, got to step up my game. I know. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, but sometimes Twitter, and that's why I love Twitter. I mean, I probably use it as a venting mechanism, which is not the best thing if people catch me on an off day. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've I've made so many genuine connections, though, through Twitter, because Twitter is just one of those, like, safe spaces. I mean, I know people do argue a lot on Twitter, but I've been really fortunate to meet people from, like, across Canada that are just great people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I found them on Twitter, but we somehow collide so that's awesome it's cool when that happens so you're you're in calgary for a few months you're you're performing do you remember your last performance prior to lockdown yeah i think it was actually at the airport in um in calgary mm -hmm. there's a fairly upscale restaurant and okay. Uh, this is through the booking agency and it was actually not even my gig. It was one of my, my best friends, Mariah. She is kind of like a household name in Calgary. She's, she's born and raised out here and is quite big on the country scene. And so she's with the same booking agency and she kind of had like a residency at this, uh, like hotel restaurant in the middle of the airport. And for some reason she couldn't do the, the gig and asked me to do it last minute. And I said, sure. So we exchanged stuff and basically I got the contract instead of her. And uh, I little did I know that was going to be the last gig I was going to have for a while. <laughs> and then I felt bad because that was going to be her last gig for quite some time too. And I took it from her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, considering like we are very close friends and she's just a very supportive person. So, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there was no bad feelings there, but yeah, nobody knew. I mean, I think, there was talk of COVID, but we had no idea how things were going to play out. No yeah. one did, right? Yeah. It was just yeah. one of those things. And it's funny that you guys were talking about the last uh, episode that you would have recorded in person was a year ago, because I think the that was one of the last things I did before everything locked down for the first time was uh, at a local university radio station like I went in for an interview and a quick performance and that was I was the last person that they had in person wow so everything went digital from then on so yeah, yeah no one no one saw that coming either 
Have you done, I, well, I know you have, you, you've done a lot of these virtual uh, performances. Um, tell me, tell me about that. What, what's, um, how do you, how do you feel when you do that? How, you know, how is the, uh, the one thing that I understand is that there's no immediate feedback, but I'm really curious about, um, you know, how you feel as you're performing to a camera in essence. Yeah. It's an interesting question because there's different dynamics. There's been a couple instances where I've done some live performances or some video, um, just like music videos. And it's interesting when you do it in an empty venue, mm. especially a live stream, because that's the last one that I did was actually like a partnered show. And there's, there's a local like booking app essentially called Stagehand. And they were hiring people to do a live stream in an empty venue with a mask on and it was Facebook live. And yet it, it was just so strange because there was people watching live, but I didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a different feel from doing it say here, you know, in my living room, mm -hmm. because there was like a stage and lights and cameras and I knew it was live, but at the same time, you feel kind of weird after you finish a song because it's just like dead silence. <laughs> um, do you do you prefer so yeah. do you prefer that from like you'd rather be at home at least in front of your computer where you can see people chatting and you can chat with them versus that? I don't know. I would say yeah, it's it's so strange. You know, um, I don't know if I prefer one over the other. I think mm. it's a little bit more laid back at home because I'm in the comfort of my own home, right? And mm -hmm. And you can kind of go live whenever you want. And that's the beauty of social media with everyone these days. I mean, maybe it's beauty for some and, and not beauty for others because, you know, we can go live whenever and um, everyone's doing it. So at the same time, it seems like a not so special thing. And I think everyone's getting a bit of fatigue from video calls and, and live streams too, right? I think when the pandemic first started, everyone wanted to do live streams because what else were you going to do? Um, so I get that it, it's tiring and I honestly don't do a ton of live streams from my own place. I don't know why. Um, but I think I just kind of got tired of it. So for me, it was special to go to an empty venue and just have like a very small sound crew, you know, setting up the, <laughs> the equipment, um, and running the cameras. Like at least it was similar to, an old gig where I get to leave the house and kind of get dressed up and, and that kind of thing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a cool experience. So yeah, that was awesome. Nice. We had a DJ producer from Toronto on our show, Paul. Um, and he was saying he loves doing the, um, the live streams. Um, he, he does a, he does a, a weekly show, I believe on, on Twitch. Mm, twice weekly, I think. Twice, yeah. And uh, it was really interesting because he said there's a lot of times where he'll be performing at a club um, and people aren't necessarily there to see him or to listen to him. They're, they might be there for other reasons. They might be there for uh, just a night out on the town. Maybe they like the venue and they just it's their hangout spot. Maybe it's just another reason to get together with buddies. But he says everybody that tunes in to a live show that he does wants to be there. So he gets a lot of yeah. positive feedback 
where if he does something live, he rents out a place. And even if he sells it out, he says there's a lot of people there that aren't necessarily there to hear him or hear his music, but are just there, you know, just for the, the sake of it. And he might get like negative vibes, but he says yeah. 100% of the time when he's at home doing a show, everybody loves it. So I'm curious if, um, I know you you don't, you don't might not get immediate feedback, but I'm curious if you've ever thought of things like that yourself. I think it's interesting, right? Even just this whole concept of going to a venue, because you saying that just sparks some stuff for me. Like they have a lot of restaurant bars here where bands are playing, but people may go just for dinner, right? Yeah. So you may hear a band that you've never heard before which is great because that's how you meet people and that's how you meet friends and, and fans. And, you know, that's part of life and something that's so great about live shows is that you're just constantly meeting new people. So I guess you get less of that online because typically if someone's going to tune into your live stream, they follow you already. Right. Yeah. I think it's harder to come by someone's live stream just at random. So it's cool when you play like a restaurant bar where you do have people coming in from who knows where, or if you're in a different town or, or what have you, right? Like you'd meet people that you would never meet otherwise. So um, I think I miss that, that. And I think other people miss that too, because it's almost like the magic, like the mystical, the mystical side of life, right? That we're all kind of craving and missing because it's not planned. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about that, actually, but I, I do think it's interesting because it's hard to meet people. And the only way we're really socializing is through screens right now. And I think um, a lot of people are struggling with that. True. Yeah, very much so. So tell me, let's I want to go back a little bit. Um, was there was there a, a poll from your friends uh, to go out to Calgary? Was it a a push to, to leave uh, Sudbury and just find just a, a new space. I'm, I'm curious about, um, uh, about that move that you made. Yeah, I've kind of lived all over the place. Okay. <laughs> music has taken, music has taken me uh, pretty much all across Canada. And uh, I mean, for performances, but also living. Um, so I was born and raised in Sudbury, just this town in Northern Ontario and, I mean, it's a city, but it's very much a small town. Yeah. And uh, apparently Nickelback was signed there. So, you know, Alex Trebek was from there. Exciting things happened in Sudbury. Um, <laughs> was Nickelback signed at the, at the townhouse? Yes, at the townhouse. Was it really? I, I just, I only yeah. put that, I wouldn't have thought like, like I'm, I only, I'm running through my head thinking, <laughs> what, like where would they have played? I would have been probably the townhouse. Is that how they yeah, got their name? Nickelback. I know there's a story about giving a Nickelback. I don't know where that story happened, though, know. but, you know, so many great bands tour through Sudbury and I've met so many artists touring, touring through town and I've opened for artists and that's how you meet people. And then when you tour or visit a town, you, you know, reconnect with people. It's awesome. Okay. Um, but anyways, I was born and raised there and it was a great place to grow up and and just be around the arts. Like I went to arts schools and my dad's a musician and just always, it was always such a supported thing, which I'm so grateful for. Um, a lot of talented people from Sudbury. Uh, but I released like my first 
indie record in 2014. And around that time, I was like, I've played every venue in town <laughs> so many times. And I kind of want to just grow and explore. And I was really young. And so I moved to Montreal for a little bit and just wanted to taste that and see what the music scene was like there. And, uh, you know, just live life. And that didn't necessarily get me to anywhere that I wanted to go career-wise. Um, so I moved back to Ontario for a bit. And with the natural progression of things, I just felt like I had to find a producer to work with because I was always self-produced or worked with my dad and his musician friends and that kind of thing. So eventually I found a producer to work with in Toronto who was originally from Sudbury. So it seemed like the worlds kind of collided. And he was also involved with this program called Canada's Music Incubator, which I ended up moving to Toronto to take. And this program was awesome. And they run it a couple times a year and they take artists from across Canada. You apply, it's kind of like school. <laughs> and uh, you show up and it's like an intensive program, like two to three months, nine to five. And that's your life. So you network and meet people from the industry and work on your craft and all that kind of stuff. And so that was a big uh, changing point in my life, really, not just career-wise, but personally, because I met some of my best friends to this day, like from Alberta, from BC, and everyone just was in this hub. So we went through a lot together. Uh, and a couple years went by, and I just found that Toronto wasn't necessarily my forever home and I just felt like I needed a change personally and professionally and so I came out to visit Calgary and I thought well at least if I move here I have a base of people and I'm not totally alone and also the industry people that I met fly out here because I started running this music program out here as well mm -hmm. so it just kind of seemed like the the natural next step for me to take. And uh, yeah, so I just kind of, I didn't have anything to lose anymore. <laughs> um, I wanted to work with new people. Like I wanted to co-write with new people and record new stuff out here. And I also love the mountains, like the Rocky Mountains are my mm -hmm. favorite. So yeah, I just kind of came out here and it was the, the next natural progression. So your story just skimmed across about four different topics that I want to cover. <laughs> so, so it's funny because um, going back to Sudbury, so I know you went to Sudbury Secondary, which was the art school you were talking yeah. about, right? Are you like, are you Sudbury Sudbury or were you like, like Lively or Coppercliffe Sudbury? Like, <laughs> I love that question for so many reasons, but it's just, it's so funny. Yeah. Cause it's the greater city of Sudbury, yeah. you know, which does pull yeah. in from like so many different places. And I assume but because I'm you went to Sudbury, Sudbury Secondary, <laughs> because you went to Sudbury Secondary that you could have come in from, because it's the art school and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you kept, you, I understand you also worked with, are you still working with the rainbow board in terms of like musical performances and motivational speaking? Are you doing that? A little bit. Like yeah. I still am, I'm very much in touch with my old teachers because they really shaped who I am on okay. so many levels. And yeah, I mean, I'm in touch with like my English teachers and my old um, music teachers and yeah. even my elementary teachers, honestly, like I 
was just so lucky, even in elementary school, like to be called on to lead my class and singing these round songs and that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if every school does that, but we had performances all the time. Like, I, I don't know why or how, but I was always like cast as the lead in plays when I was very young, even when I didn't audition, <laughs> like, <laughs> or I didn't want to audition. Like, yeah. I remember in grade six, I I said I wanted to be the stage manager. And this like new teacher to the school was like, I think you should audition. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I really wanted to work behind the scenes. And then I ended up getting the lead and all the girls who auditioned and really wanted the lead role were so pissed. <laughs> That's funny. But, that's fine. I don't know. And you yeah, I mean, it's just always been in my bones, I guess. That's cool. And you also touched on your debut album when you're up there. Did you, am I right? You, you did some crowdsourcing or crowdfunding to support the yeah, debut album? I did. And I was actually just talking about this recently because, I mean, life goes on and you forget about those things. But it's unreal when you look back and you see the support because we exceeded the goal. And it's it's just so wild to think about. Like I was probably like 19 and my dad was very, very gracious and helpful in in terms of like funding and and helping because a lot of his friends played on the record for free or for like a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, how are we going to fund printing records or, or not even records, but just CDs, like getting, getting CDs made is not cheap. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I, I turned to doing this like crowdfunding and it was cool because I got to make all these like little gifts or prizes that people would get if they donated X amount of dollars, like they would get an album and they would get a ticket to the CD release show and they would get, you know, this or that. And and people were so kind, like um, donating, like a friend of mine is a massage therapist and she donated like a free massage and it was really like a collective effort. and. Cool we got to print all these CDs and yeah, I'll never forget that CD release party either. Like we had local restaurants cater it for free and like just donate food. And it was like unreal, unreal support. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you, you say you've been, you've talked about your dad quite a bit now. Uh, tell me about him. I guess I have. (laughs) Was he a big influence in you getting into music? I would say for sure. When I was a kid, he used to tour in bands a lot. Um, And I guess he got to the point too, where, you know, he wanted to be there with his family. So he took on a lot, like he would work a full-time job at 6am and then he would go tour at night and roll back into town at, you know, (laughs) early hours in the morning and go to work. And so he worked really hard. Um, And I guess he kind of let go of his dream of like touring and and moving forward. I, from what I understand, their band was pretty successful in the country scene and country was really big at the time. Mm-hmm. Like in the nineties country, mm-hmm. was like the thing. Yep. And I think they could have potentially like taken things really far and, and it just kind of didn't work out that way. Um, but he still does music to this day. I think he just does it in a way that works for him. Like he loves to do uh, like corporate stuff banquets and weddings mm-hmm. and doctors events and lawyers events and he gets paid really well and probably much better than he did in dive bars <laughs> in the 90s <laughs> um you know yeah. so he loves it and I think he's just one of those people that like 
he'll never stop working. Like even when he retires, like he'll always do music, even if it's not like touring the world, like he's always gonna have that be his, his outlet. So for sure, I would say he's a major, major influence. He, he like always used to have people over uh, to record them or put down a bass line or, or what have you. And, and yeah, I mean, he's played on a lot of my early recordings and stuff, which is really cool. So also, you get to work with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I miss it. You know, I was talking about that earlier today, actually, like doing some, some duo shows with his um, like upright bass, which, which goes really well with an acoustic guitar and just yeah, yeah. intimate uh, acoustic shows. Like I, I miss doing that kind of thing. So hopefully one day, you know, when I can travel back home, <laughs> we can do some of those shows again, you know. What was the name of your dad's band? Well, he's gone through so many bands, I tell you. Okay. I, I couldn't, couldn't even tell you. But he does a lot of, uh, like, jazz duo things as well for, like, uh, wedding receptions and what have you. And and also, like, the really special thing about... Um, about like us doing music together is like when his father passed away, my grandfather, I wrote a song after he passed. Um, and also like his band does like an annual show in memory of my grandfather, which is really cool too. So nice. music is just a thing that ties us all together. Nice. I think at the end of the day. Yeah. Which is really cool. During your, your short stint in Toronto, you had a chance to play the horseshoe. I did. Yeah. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about that experience. It's cool. I mean, almost nerve wracking. Cause everyone's like, Oh, the horseshoe, it's legendary. And you're just thinking about all these people that have like graced the stage before you. Um, yeah, it was a great show. It was, uh, I think it was for man. It was a country show with like a bunch of women and it was kind of like, an empowering, um, an empowering event. And it was just cool. I think it, it was also one of those things when I was on my way out of, out of Toronto, but I was really grateful to be involved. And it's, it's always cool to say that you played at the horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really cool space. Nice. I know, I know empowerment, you know, going through your Instagram and social and stuff like empowerment and self-care is a big thing too for you. You know, you've been, you've, you've, you, you have been open about, you know, your previous eating disorders when you were younger and some of the trauma, yeah. I don't know what the trauma was and I don't like, you don't have to talk about that, but you know, it's interesting how you seem to have come out of that. And again, that self-care and that empowerment is a huge part of the message that you want to spread. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, Moving forward, I'd, I'd love to write more music about that because I just think it's it's a huge part of my calling. Um, I think when I grew up, I felt very repressed and didn't really have a sense of uh, power or my voice. And I know from speaking to so many people, whether it be at live events or people that send me messages on online, um, it's it's a common thing. And, and whether it's like eating disorders or people are struggling with mental health or, or various traumas, people feel so much shame about it. And yet it's something that I feel like is more common than we realize. Um, 
And I think, yeah, I think it's just a part of, of my path and maybe not everyone wants to talk about it or wants to hear about it. And it's a tricky thing to approach too. It's sensitive, right. For a lot mm -hmm. of people, but I think a big part of, of my life uh, as a, as a human, but also as an artist is trying to be as tra transparent as possible about the things that I've gone through and overcome in, in hopes that I can uh, maybe inspire or encourage someone who's going through the same thing. Because if this year has taught us anything, feeling isolated is a shitty mm. feeling. <laughs> um, and I think that's what gets us hung up and stuck for so long. And, and this feeling of lack of connection is because of like shame or fear of not being understood and, and not sharing about hardships. And I think that's also a generational thing um, that we are taught to not talk about things that we struggle with. But I think the world is really changing in that way. And I think it's not like poor me, pity me. I have all these issues. It's more like I went through this and that's okay. And you can get through it. And I think that's, yeah, just like super important these days. So we have a, um, uh, a section, I think is the right word for it, Greg, um, <laughs> called segment? segment. Thank you. I like that word. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to start talking about the daylight getting dark <laughs> again, are you? It's, it's dark outside. <laughs> it's dark here. It's not dark there. Um, we have a segment as Greg likes to call it, um, called lost venues. Uh, oh yeah, and so cool. I'm I'm curious whether uh, there's a place in in Sudbury um, or Montreal or or Calgary that you've played at that you maybe it was a great show, maybe it was the worst show you did, maybe there's a just a funny story, um, but I'm wondering if there's a venue like that that doesn't exist anymore because we've seen over time, uh, and, and it's happened throughout history. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a book on on uh, on live music in Toronto, and um, there's an area in Toronto called Yorkville um, that was hugely popular uh, back in the '60s, um, and it was and it and it quickly died down as as a place where people would go to listen to live music over time. So I think it's something that that goes on throughout time, but I'm, but we have seen a lot of venues closed over the past number of years and especially this yeah. year. So Justine, I'm curious if there's a, a lost venue for you that you really enjoy playing at. Great question. And I was just thinking of that too. I mean, sadly, so many venues and, and businesses have had to close this year. So I'm sure there are venues that I've, that I've played that I'm not aware of have closed and they have probably closed. Um, but probably the more interesting story is back in Sudbury at one point, I used to rent downtown a studio. It wasn't really an apartment, but let's be real. Sometimes the hardest we would crash there. Like if I played a gig across the street, I would a hundred percent crash in my studio. That night. Um, so what's really cool about it is that it was this building of artists and I, I miss it, but right next to our building, was a little outdoor space that no one was really occupying at the time. And it was almost like a crack in the wall, like between our building and this next building. And I had heard that they made it into a venue at one point, but it was no longer a thing. So I took it on as my project. I think it was probably one or two summers. I can't quite remember. 
might have been one, but I basically took it on as my job to make it a venue, to make it an mm. outdoor venue in this crack. And it was literally called like La Crack. <laughs> <laughs> and then people were, would argue with me and be like, it's supposed to be La Crack, not La Crack. I'm like, I don't know, but it's just the crack <laughs> in the wall. And that's what it is. So um, I, I literally did everything. I it was kind of like a messy space, you know, where people put stuff. It's like your backyard or your, um, like your garage where you have random pieces of wood and, and whatever. And it just had plants overgrown. So I did like all the landscaping and I (laughs) put up this, um, like canopy and lights and the whole thing and set up tables and booked artists to come and play. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, so it was cool. Like we had a rotation of artists in every weekend and um, it was kind of like a pass the hat. Like it was not a funded thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the local community would come out and sit and listen to local artists and and it was just a really fun time. Like CBC did a little art- article on it. So we had some some press. And so, yeah, I would say that's the most interesting little little venue that I've played that no longer exists because after I stopped running it, I think it just didn't exist anymore, but it mm. was a fun little stint. <laughs> That's cool. What, what street was that on or where was that? That was on Durham street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So probably like down the street from the townhouse, like it's a very yeah. small downtown area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But yeah, Durham. It's funny because my brother, who's actually a teacher in Espanola, high school teacher in Espanola, he was, he had a play last year right before, well, I guess February, he did um, Hedwig in the Angry Inch. And he did that at the townhouse. And, you know, my (laughs) wife and I, my wife and I, I think we stayed at the Radisson. I think we booked ourselves in at the Radisson. Yeah. (laughs) And and she's like, so should we grab a, like an Uber or a taxi down? No, no, we're just going to walk through downtown. You literally through the just walked down the right street. There. <laughs> I think we, I don't know. I think we went to, so true. I don't know if we went to Laughing Buddha for dinner probably or something. Oh, anyway, it was so just good. like, it was just a quick, it was like, you know, again, to your point, it's a small downtown. Oh, yeah. so small. Like, so small. Like, it's pretty much two streets. I mean, yeah. well, maybe a couple more, but yeah. the venues, it's like you're on this street or you're on this street. Like, yeah. that's all there is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I actually love the beet burgers. Have you ever had a beet burger at the townhouse? No, I haven't. It's- so good. I don't know if I've ever eaten at the townhouse. <laughs> oh man, their burgers are to die for. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah. I know people were coming in and out. People were coming yeah, in and the, out of the, the townhouse picking good up too. food. Yeah, the boot is great. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the boot is great too. They have like a spicy ketchup or like a banana ketchup or spicy banana ketchup, I think mm. that's what it is. Sounds weird, but that. it's the best thing you, you'll ever have. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I think I think it was last week. Just you don't you don't mind just like two Northern Ontario kids just riffing on here, right? Just yeah, you good. Yeah, that is fine. <laughs> that is. Fine. I grew up like down the street from the Big Nickel, quite literally, because my that's where my parents live, very close to the Big ah, Nickel. I've been there once the gatch, to the Big the Nickel. <laughs> was it last week, Greg? That Daft or the week before the Daft Punk um, announced that they were disbanded two weeks ago. Two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. So Justine, <laughs> you know where I'm getting at, right? Like, I know where this is going. Yeah. I don't know where you're going. Did you break up Daft Punk? Like, did they see your, your Instagram and say, and one of them say, okay, that's the next part. Like what, what did you do? 
Well, we can blame it on the wine. And I, I honestly haven't had wine since that night. So <laughs> when I have wine, things get out of hand. So <laughs> I had some wine and I just started singing that song one more time, which is clearly by Daft Punk, but I couldn't remember who it was by because I had wine. And uh, also at the time, didn't realize how long they've been around. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, in my mind, with my wine brain, I thought, oh, yeah, they did that song with Pharrell Williams not that long ago. They can't be that old. Well, they have been around for a long <laughs> time. <laughs> so, which also just shows my age, too, because it's just like, I mean, I know I'm not that old, but I mean, I grew up in the 90s and everything from the 90s or early 2000s seems like yesterday to me. Yeah. So, yeah, and now they're <laughs> not going to be together anymore. So. <laughs> Well, maybe you. I think you should re-release that uh, that video and see if uh, it picks up anything. Yeah, and I tagged them in it too. Eventually, like after the fact, and maybe they did see it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was check it. Out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I don't. It might have been on one of my Instagram stories. I, I think. Oh, okay. Or okay. or on TikTok, or both. I think it was on. I don't know. Yeah. I'm new to TikTok too. Like I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I think it's, I think there's a song there though, Justine, about about breaking up. I think you should I think you should own it. Uh, that could <laughs> that be it was my fault. <laughs> well, fault is I don't think you should use the word fault, right? I I, I think it, it, you've inspired them somehow. Yeah, like I sparked something in them. Yeah, you know, and I think you should could own be. it. Write a song about it, and and that's that's I think. <laughs> You'll be going to Nashville. My claim to fame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Congrats on the Jim Beam talent search. You you were a uh, a finalist. That must yeah. that must have been exciting. Well, thank you. And what's really funny about it is sometimes as an artist, you just apply to whatever shows up in your email and you forget about it. And that's exactly what happened um, with the Jim Beam competition, because, you know, I apply to festivals and and this and that and different opportunities all the time. And I kind of forgot that I applied, to be honest with you. And I think they, they reached out to me maybe about a year ago. It was like right before the pandemic was locking everyone down and I think they still had intentions of having a live show because I think that's what they do in every city across Canada like eight cities across the country they typically uh, select finalists from whoever applies online and then people do almost like a battle of the bands in person and then essentially what happened was COVID and they were like oh well I guess we can't really do that this year and months and months went by and I totally forgot about it. And then they said, okay, we're going to go virtual. So that means you get to show up at basically the best venue in town and not even venue necessarily, but it's this really cool place out here called Studio Bell, which is also the National Music Center. And they have so much going on at that place. Like they have um, art displays and like the Canadian Walk of Fame stuff in and out Um So it's not really a live venue, but anyways, they said you get to show up and do a live music video recording live off the floor. And essentially that'll be used as your part of this competition and people will vote online. So it was all virtual and that was really cool. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. And, and kind of weird to 
do a recording during COVID as well, because they were really, really strict with things, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Like they have to change out the mics and they only allowed so many musicians to be in there at a time. And everyone was literally measured with like meter sticks between them. And the only time we could take our masks off were like when we were in place, like right before the camera went on um, and release forms and, and everyone had to be really, really cautious and safe, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like an odd experience, right. To, to film a music video during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So Justine, how do you feel about uh, playing us a song? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to introduce to. the song? Tell us the name and what it's about. Yeah. Well, I haven't, honestly, I didn't overthink this today, which I don't know if that's bad or good. <laughs> um, but I feel like I played this at my last live stream and it, it went over well and I felt good about it. And, uh, I've been writing a bunch of new stuff and I've kind of forgot about my first record. So I'm actually going to play a song from my first record that I forgot about. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and I've come to re-appreciate it because sometimes I look back on my old music and I think, oh my God, I can't believe I released that. And quality was terrible and it was self-produced. And, you know, I just am an artist and am hard on myself. So <laughs> uh, it's cool to revisit music and like actually appreciate it. So it's a, it's a song called Maybe that I wrote up in Sudbury. And I think it was one of the last songs on my first album. And it was just all of the questions of life. Like maybe I should leave and maybe I should get over this guy and maybe I should just do this and this and, and you know, and stop holding myself back. And, and it's really funny because I think I've found myself in that position asking those questions on more than one occasion. So um so it's just kind of funny to revisit it because I probably wrote it when I was like 19 or something. So yeah, maybe. Maybe I should be out of faith And start to see that it's not faith And maybe I should keep my head down Instead of looking around and around And maybe I should move out of town And find a new man to take me around And maybe I should be wild and free Instead of always thinking about you and me I should feel that it's done that the battle could never be won and maybe I should keep my guard out high see so I have a slim chance of getting inside and maybe I should throw my hands up give you the speech that enough is enough and maybe I should be wild and free Still always thinking about you and me Ooh. Ooh. 
where it's like oh i totally forgot i wrote that like that's crazy that's great and you remembered the words yeah well that's the other thing too and i'm like i haven't like really warmed up my voice at all today like <laughs> that was do i remember the chords to my old thank you <laughs> yeah it was awesome was i liked awesome. it i liked it so so uh, you talked about writing some new music what's what's coming up for you Oh, you know what? Today has been a great day because I get to sit and chat with you guys. But also I had a meeting today with um, potentially a new producer that I'm going to be working with that Fantastic. is interconnected with a lot of my artist friends out here. Um, the craziest thing happened to me earlier because the recording studio that I'm going to be looking at next is called MCC. And the most wild thing happened today. So I worked... Um, at my part-time job this morning and I work in a kitchen and I cook in a vegan restaurant in the mornings and I came home and it's about noon because I go in quite early and right outside of my building is a truck that says MCC and it was so weird because I'm like I'm literally on my way to go meet up with a producer and the owner of MCC recording studios and this big truck says MCC. And it was for like, I don't know, like a thrift store or something, but it was really strange. Like very synchronous. Yeah. Very yeah. synchronistic. And I was like, Oh, I feel like, okay, maybe I am on track because <laughs> you know, I'm just like everyone else. Like I have my, up, my ups and downs yeah. and my good days and my, my bad days through this pandemic. And, um, it's taken me a long time to get myself back in terms of writing music as well. Like I took a break for a while. Like, honestly, I, I felt like uh, living in Toronto was a lot and I learned a lot, but it also is a, a really tiring city sometimes, as I'm sure you can understand, like mm -hmm. pre COVID it's, it's the hustle and bustle and yeah. uh, you're just trying to survive. <laughs> so. Um, I felt like I, I left a lot of situations that were kind of toxic for me and, and I kind of lost my identity and I lost my ability to write for a while, which was weird for me because I've been writing since I was a kid. So to not be able to write felt very strange. Um, but this year has been great for me in terms of revisiting that and getting back to writing and 
somehow being able to network with people and feeling like it's meant to be even through a pandemic. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And everyone just seems so interconnected here. It's really strange. Like the people that I've met all seem to coincide. Like it's, it's really strange, whether it be these new producers or artist friends of mine that no other artist friends of mine that I met across the country. It's, it's kind of strange, but I think things are, are somehow falling into place. Good for you. <laughs> I'd like good. to think so. Yeah. yeah. Good, good for you. So one of the questions we like to ask our guests before we wrap it up is what is in your, what has been in your earbuds lately? A lot of eighties music, mm. <laughs> which is interesting because I always hated classic rock and I hated the eighties. And I mean, I was born in the early nineties and I missed that boat. So I was always like, so, so opposed to it. But lately it's like nonstop 80s, like Tina Turner, Whitney Houston, um, just all the great 80s songs, Lionel Richie, um, Hall and Oates, like all that kind of stuff. Just loving it for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's uplifting for me. Uh, hmm. As like a, a singer songwriter, I, I feel like I tend to listen to some slower acoustic music but that doesn't always put me in the best mood like if I'm in a bad mood I probably shouldn't listen to John Mayer or something like that <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna make me feel better um <laughs> but I feel like this this whole era of 80s like a lot of it's like upbeat and True. positive and I just feel like I've kind of needed that on some mm -hmm. level so that's been getting me through my days nice it's just dan dancing around to 80s music nice yeah Justine, if people want to rediscover uh, your your old music, some of your newer stuff, um, where where's the best place for them to uh, to find this? I would say just uh, type in Justine Giles anywhere. I would say YouTube, Spotify. I actually deleted my first record because I was like, I can't handle the the production on it anymore. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, if someone wanted a copy, I do have copies of that. But um, yeah, I mean, my my most recent singles are are on Spotify or Apple Music or anywhere you can you can stream these days. So perfect, awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Justine, for being our guest for uh, sharing some music as well. We really had a lot of fun today. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it, and awesome. we still have sunlight. <laughs> exactly, you have sunlight there. We don't have it here. <laughs> Someday, what we're going to do is we'll get you back on and we'll do a whole podcast about the sun setting and what happens between daylight and nighttime. And we could educate Cream all about that. So he's not surprised the next time we have a yeah. guest and it gets dark. Jeez. I'll take you up on that. Justine, thank you for interrupting uh, the conversation, Greg, and I, because I don't think I could stand uh, another five minutes with him. So thank you. <laughs> For saving me for having to deal with uh, with Greg. Ah. <laughs> awesome. Justine, we had a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep in touch. <laughs>